0: behind us and um, being an encouragement to us. Uh, Kim comes here on, I think it's Tuesdays, and does Bible study with some of the ladies, and she really enjoys that. Um, And you all gave us a pretty good chunk of money um, last week or the week before. Um, We wanted to say thank you for that. Um, We haven't been doing the greatest financially since we came back from uh, P&G Kind of an unexpected trip back here, and uh, needs to come up. How's that? Okay. Um, Yeah. So, anyways, uh, that was helpful to us. Um, I'm kind of in process and trying to find a job, and I started a business, but uh, I think it's going to take a while before that really helps out any. Um, At this point, we're planning on staying in the states and. We haven't really made an official announcement to the world about that yet. We wanted to kind of force ourselves to wait at least until Andrew's doctor appointment to make that decision. Um, We tend to be really quick decision makers. Um, And so sometimes it's good for us to just put some date out there and make ourselves pray and wait until then before we sort of start announcing to the world what our current gut is about life. Um, But anyways, that's sort of... Where we're at, our family's been through a lot, and I think our kids are at a place especially where it's time for dad to try and provide some stability uh, for them. And missionary life doesn't really provide that very often. It's a lot of moving um, and a lot of transition starting over. And it sort of feels for me like it's time to um, do something else for the, sake of, for the sake of my family for a little while. But, uh, okay. D&G, what's been going on? I'm going to share with you a little bit uh, as we go about what our ministries look like. Um, and my heart in, in being up here isn't really to, to talk about myself and um, have that be the focus. I kind of want to share with you just what God's been doing um, and hope for that to be an encouragement to you just about the character of your God and uh, the work that he's continuing to do in the hearts of people. Um, but there's, there's some promises that uh, have been an encouragement to me as we've continued to just do transition after transition. We moved uh, two times during the time we were on the field um, in these last three years. We went back into the tribe where we'd been for three years, uh, learning language and getting ready to share the gospel with this group of unreached people that had never heard it before. Um, we went back in there and we tried to finish up learning language, and that was all going good. But it became really clear as we edged up towards the actual like nuts and bolts of that work of translating the scriptures into another language, of writing Bible lessons in another language. It's a lot of computer work. Um, it's a lot of time in the office just typing away uh, in order to produce something that the church can. Uh, use to grow and to have in their hand when you leave. And it became pretty clear that I was not really able to contribute to that workload. Um, I had some permanent nerve damage in one of my hands um, from chopping down the jungle when we built our house in there and just overworking for uh, a lot a lot of days. Um, not really responding to pain signals my body was putting out. I just did some damage that's not going to go away. So I get about 20 minutes on the computer before my right side of my body cramps up and I lose feeling in the left side of my body from the waist down and I start to stutter and my face cramps up. So, you know, I can can do that for a little while and I can push beyond that on some days, but it was really clear that sitting there at the computer every day trying to type Bible lessons was not probably what God had for me. And uh, we stepped out of Paul after being there for about four months when we went back. Um, someone else filled our shoes in two weeks, which was honestly a little hard emotionally, but it was good for, good for God's work there. It's Like, okay, <laughs> didn't take very long. Um, but anyways, um, there's a there's a verse I want to read to you and and just share with you a little bit about what God's done there. In Paul, um, he didn't need us there, and um, that's big picture been an encouragement to me. Um, that he's faithfully building his church. And uh, it's Matthew chapter 16, verses 6 through 8. It says, Jesus said to them, Huh, I have the wrong verse written down. Interesting. Okay. 16 through 18, excuse me. Okay, Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Um, we went into Paul and there wasn't a person who spoke that language that we could find that knew the truth about Jesus. Um, I kind of look at places like that. I kind of look at Humboldt County the same way. But I, I look at them as sort of like Satan's living room. Um, He's he's got places in in the earth that are his stronghold. They're where he dwells and where he's thoroughly at work in the lives of most of the people there. Um, Paul's a place like that. It's a place where the gospel hadn't penetrated. Um, and it was it was cool to me to sit back, still in PNG, but removed, you know, a three-hour helicopter flight away, to just sit back and listen to what God did in Paul. Um, they shared the gospel there. People walked every day from an hour to some, some of them two hours hike away, to come and hear God's word, um, three to four days a week, for four months, um, so that they could hear the whole story from creation to the resurrection of Christ and understand the promises that God made and the way that Christ fulfilled those promises. Um, over a hundred people they were sure, uh, as far as they could tell, got saved, and there's a whole mess of other ones that they're still trying to figure out where their understanding is, but there was a good reception there. Um, there's about eight more villages left in Paul uh, for God's Word to go to, and they'll be figuring out <coughs> when it's time for the missionaries to do that and bring people along and when it's time to step back and equip and let those that have gotten saved there um, carry God's Word forward into the rest of that language group. But exciting things have happened there. Um, God's building his church in places like Paul and and around the world, um, he's still at work doing that. Uh, we left Paul, which is just, yeah, out in the middle of nowhere in the jungle, we went to a mission support center in a place called Garoka. It's in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. It's where the airplane pli- pilots and the supply buyers and the missions kids school and all that kind of stuff is at. Um, If you were to look at it from, you know, like an airplane, it's still going to look like it's out in the middle of the jungle, and it kind of is. It's like tiny little America almost in the middle of nowhere. Um, There's tribal people and villages and and people with different language groups that surround that whole center. Um, And we went out there to help equip new missionaries uh, that were coming to the country to be able to get around in the national language uh, to be able to know the culture and to just help that whole center interact well with the community. We sort of got given a public relations role there, which was really fun for me. Um, it afforded us the opportunity to just kind of get out and see what was going on. And um, There's a verse in, in John chapter 12, uh, another promise of Jesus. He promised to be at work building his church. He's doing that. In um, John chapter 12 verse 27 he says, "My soul is troubled, and what shall I say, Father, save me from this hour? but for this purpose, I came to this hour." So he's about to go to the cross. And he asked God in verse 28, he says, "Father, glorify your name." And then a voice came from heaven, saying, "I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again." Therefore the people who stood by heard it and said it had thundered, and others said an angel had spoken to him. And Jesus answered and said, This voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. Um, There's a couple different promises in those verses. One that stands out to me is God the Father promising to glorify the name of Jesus. uh, Promising to reveal to people the beauty of who he is and what he's done. Um, He's still doing that. And uh, the other promise that stands out there for me is just Jesus promised to draw all peoples to himself. He promised to be at work actively drawing men to himself. um, Pursuing people. Working in their hearts. Creating interest in them. For himself, um, when we stepped into to Goroka, um, out of Paul, we were sort of spinning a little bit, just trying to figure out what the Lord was doing with us, um, what He had for us, and it was kind of cool for me to to go try and find out how to get involved in the community and to look and see that there was already a work going on. Um, there was Bible teaching that was happening. One of the Nationals that had gotten saved there was teaching uh, chronologically through the scriptures. And people were showing up. Um, They were leaving churches that really were doing the typical P&G thing, which would be to teach works um, and sort of avoid talking about the whole animistic spirit worship thing that goes on the side and just sort of do this religious ritual church thing. Um, They were stepping out of that to come and hear God's word. Uh, and it was, it was neat for me to watch, just God drawing people to himself, creating in them an interest to hear uh, who Jesus was and what he had done. Um, eventually, we went down to uh, <coughs> Medang to continue sort of equipping new missionaries. When we were in Garoka, we were working with the support missionaries. Uh, when we were in Medang, we were helping uh, missionaries that wanted to go out into the tribe. Um, and learn language, uh, be better equipped to do that well once they went out there. Um, but we we also got to work with another group that God had drawn to Himself and and saved that was surrounding the center there. Maybe fifteen believers that were there. Um, and there's this one guy named Godfrey, and his wife had gotten saved, um, and God was drawing Godfrey to Himself. And I I just met this guy, and he's. Immediately, he's your best friend, you know, real personable. He's a huge kind of intimidating guy. Most Papua New Guineans are short. He's like six foot six and just ripped. He worked on a uh, fishing boat, and so he's never around. And so you've got this guy whose uh, wife has gotten saved, and she is excited about Jesus. She was kind of a loud uh, individual by personality, and when she got saved, everybody heard a lot about Jesus from her, and it was really cool. Uh, but her husband was kind of, you know, left in the dark without having the chance to hear, but he wanted to. And um, I was scratching my head figuring out, trying to figure out how to help this guy because he's, he's on a boat for like six months or three months or whatever it is. And he comes back unannounced and then he leaves whenever they're ready for him to leave again, like without really having a clue how long that's going to be. Um, and your average Papua New Guinean has quite a few missing puzzle pieces as to who God is. It's hard to just shoot the gospel in there in, in a conversation. They need some foundational teaching, and it takes a little bit of time. Um, but he was like adamant, wanting, you know, wanting to hear. And so I just gave him all my notes. Uh, we have, you know, books put together that go through like a whole chronological teaching series in the national language. And so we bought him one. Actually, a friend bought it for him. And gave it to him, and he's read the whole thing while he's out on the fishing boat, you know, when he's not working. Um, and he got saved. Uh, I got to spend some time talking with him, you know. We spent several hours in the evening and, and helping clarify some areas of misunderstanding or whatever. But um, it was really cool for me to watch. Um, that's kind of how I got saved, is, is reading the Bible. Um, it's just fun. It's fun to watch God at work in the hearts of people, drawing them to himself. Um, I think in ministry in Humboldt County, we can get discouraged, feeling like it's a hard place. Um, I think in a lot of ways, there's a lot of brokenness here, and and in some ways, I think it's a really fertile place for God's word. Um, People aren't as far away from recognizing their need for him as they are um, in other parts of the country. But I just would encourage you to to remember God's promises and to know for sure that he's at work in the hearts of the people around here. Um, He's drawing people to himself here. Um, And it's something that we just want to keep our eyes peeled for um, because it's a fun thing to be part of uh, his solution to them hearing about him. Um, Look at John chapter 16 with me and just read you another promise from Jesus about... uh, what he is at work doing in the hearts of people, what he promised to do. Jesus uh, says in John 16, verse 5, But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me where are you going. But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Um, I love watching people get saved. Um. I love watching God's Word penetrate somebody's heart and see them understand their need for a Savior. Um, There's times in my life where I've had to wait a long time to see that again. Um, And then there's times where I get to see it happen over and over and over again. um, There was a lot of things that were hard about all the moving that we did and the transition that we did. But one of the blessings that we got to have was to step into situations where God was saving people. Um, there's a group of guys uh, that have worked at New Tribes Mission in Medang um, on the center there, Mission Support Center, cutting grass and uh, doing all kinds of handyman jobs and helping with new construction and stuff. They've been there a long time, 10 years or so, um, that had never really had a chance to hear God's word. I tried when we first went to Papua New Guinea eight years ago uh, I tried to share with them, and there was different circumstances surrounding that that caused me to sort of have to stop doing that at that time. And ever since then, those guys have been asking, asking, asking uh, different folks that are coming through in different ministries within New Tribes. Hey, could you guys go finish going through this teaching with me? And, you know, we really want to understand this. When I left, they did not understand. Um, I did my best, and they were still really lost. And i have just been praying for those guys. Um, but right before I... Uh, I moved down to Medang. Those guys had gotten saved. Um, there was a missionary that understood the language and the culture enough who was going to be on that support center long enough to share with them. And so all these buddies that I had heart for and that I tried to uh, impact with the gospel, um, they got saved without me again. Um, but I've got I to watch them joy in the gospel, and i got to watch them almost like get it over and over again as I got to be part of growing their faith and, and sort of cementing the foundations that we've, they had. Uh, I've watched it in my four-year-old son uh, when he got saved and, and in a lot of different people, but it's almost like when somebody's heart has grabbed a hold of Jesus and they're trusting in him for their salvation, every time you talk about it, it, it it's like they go through those emotions over again. It's like, "Oh man, I'm such a sinner. Oh, Thank you. Thank you, God for Jesus. you know And you just see a smile come on their face because Jesus is good news. Um, he really is sufficient, and what He did really is enough to save you and to make you right before God. And it is fun to watch him do that work of creating understanding of sin and of the perfection of what Jesus did, and of the fact that everything else. In this world is, isn't worth it. It's been judged. Um, he's at work doing that in Papua New Guinea today. He's at work doing that in somebody's heart in some other part of the world today. He's at work doing that today in Humboldt County. Um, the thing that uh, encouraged me to just kind of keep on plugging away as we kept starting over and starting over and starting over, was the fact that he's still doing that through the gospel. Uh, I keep asking myself when we get to a new place of what what am I supposed to do now? Um, And one of the things that's sort of a rock for me is just the fact that the gospel is still the power of God to save those who believe. Um, It's a precious truth to me. Whatever part of the world I'm in, the gospel is still the power of God to save these people who are around me, who believe. It still imparts the righteousness of God to those who believe in all those people that we get got to watch um, get saved and start walking with Jesus. Um, nothing fancy went on there. There weren't bells and whistles and creative presentations. Um, there wasn't a planning committee. They just heard the gospel. They just simply understood the good news about who Jesus was and what Jesus did for them. And they believed that, and God was changing their life. Um, he's still at work doing that. The uh, flip side of the the coin for us in um, ministry in Papua New Guinea, and it was a little bit of a growing up thing for me, um, because honestly, I haven't—I've uh, been in the job description of missionary for a long time, but most of that time I wasn't really in the middle of working with believers and, and ministering the gospel. It was, it was all preparatory. It was language study and it was loving on people and getting to know people, but we just weren't equipped for ministry. Um, but as soon as you start getting your feet wet with people, it gets messy really fast. Um, and so I, I learned some things along uh, <coughs> this last few months about the fact that saved people still need Jesus. Um, God's saving people. But when they get saved, um, there's still a lot of need there for Jesus and for the body. Um, I got to spend some time with some neat guys that were growing in their excitement about the Lord and in their understanding of Him. Um, but those guys broke my heart while we were in PNG uh, with some of their sin. And uh, some of that's sort of. Out there, you know you know, it's the culture that they beat up their wives or that they beat their kids and that sort of a thing, but you're distanced from it a little bit. They hide it from you um, or you hear about it, or but it's just not right there in your face. Um, it was right there in our face on this last uh, time on the field. Some of my best friends, I'm sitting there doing marriage counseling with a guy who, who cut his wife's fingers off with a machete um, or who sent his wife to the hospital and tried to drown her in a river. And we're not talking about, you know, he got mad and a little out of hand and raised his hand. We're talking about serious physical abuse. Um, it's part of PNG culture, it's normal for them. And it didn't just stop when they got saved, they still have that natural response to anger. So, our natural cultural response to anger in our country is to yell. Um, because socially, that other thing is out of bounds for us. It's socially wrong to do that. Well, it's not really socially wrong to do that in PNG. So they take their response to anger a little bit farther. Same sin, same root problem, uh, different response. And it, did, it just didn't change right away. And it just <laughs> broke my heart. Like, I'm sitting there thinking, man, this guy should be going to prison. Like, how do I go put my arm around him and tell him he's a child of God and he can't act like that? Like... What am I supposed to do? It made me so mad I wanted to hurt the guy. His wife's at my house seeking refuge. You know, I'm, I'm like, what do I do with this? And it was, it was good for me. It was good for me to grow up a little bit and just be face to face with the fact that saved people still need Jesus. They still have problems, they still have sin that only the life of Jesus in them is going to overcome on a day to day basis. Um, Those guys needed for somebody, instead of just wanting to kill them and kicking them out of the church for the rest of eternity, to come alongside them and remind them that Jesus lives in them and that they're his. And that that is not the picture of Christ that he wants to paint coming out of their life when they grab their bush knife, when they get angry. Um, They needed to be taught Ephesians 5. They've never understood that. Um, I can't expect them to to love their wife like Christ loves the church without ever having heard those verses or understood them or been taught them. They needed somebody to sit down and walk with them through those things. And those guys are doing better, and they're changing. Um, I want to just read to you Ephesians chapter 4. Not the whole chapter, but uh, look with me at verse 11, and we'll read five verses here down to verse 16. Verse 16 it okay and he himself Jesus he gave some to be apostles some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till so we all come to the unity of the faith to the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the, of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Um, the big picture in that verse is that we need each other. Uh, God's plan for us maturing into who God wants us to be um, for us being an accurate picture of who He is day to day as we interact with people. His plan for that actually happening involves you and I rubbing shoulders with each other. It involves you and I painting a picture for each other of what Jesus would look like. Um, Some of the the, uh, most convicting times for me and times of real real growth have happened while I was spending a lot of time with other believers. Um, Watching them interact with their kids and realizing, oh, boy, Probably how I should be talking to my kids. Uh, that's a lot different than than the way that I maybe respond to my boys when they're hitting each other um, or whatever it is that made me feel like I needed to get angry and raise my voice or whatever it is. Uh, that's a lack of gentleness or a lack of patience or um, a lot of times uh, I'm not a picture of Jesus and. I can go for years without really recognizing that and all of a sudden I can run up against a believer who is a picture of Jesus and it just shoots my soul. Um, And God uses it to transform me into His image. and It's His intention to do that. Um, As we spend time with each other and we love each other, uh, as we speak to one another truth about who we are in Christ, um, who He has for us to be, Um, we still need each other. The last thing I wanted to talk about with you guys is um, just, I guess, some things I've been wrapping my brain around as we've been back here in the States. Um, It's new for me to be having to consider um, how to provide for the financial needs of my family. Um, Being in ministry and... uh, sort of having other people supporting us has sort of allowed me to just fully engage in thinking about how to help the lost get saved and how to teach God's word and uh, not really have to worry very much about the financial side of things. Um, You kind of raise support and then you don't have to think about it for the next several years. My wife sort of does a lot of the writing and keeping in touch with everybody. Um, But having to be in that place causes me to sort of have to keep on going back to the basics of who I am in Christ and what he has for me to be about. It's really easy for me to just be wrapped up day to day with my mind spinning around how am I going to get this product I made off my shelf and into someone's house? How am I going to pay for the bills that are coming up medically or whatever else? Um, And I can just sit there and be in that world hour after hour after hour after hour. Um, And I think there's something honorable for a guy to be thinking about how to provide for his family. Um, But I don't think Jesus has for us to forget the big picture of why we're on planet Earth and what he's trying to do around us. Um, He wants us to keep coming back to those basics of who he is, and he wants the things we're pursuing and the things that we're passionate about to be reflective of the things he's passionate about. Um, And that involves people knowing him and being connected to him and growing in him Um, it involves thinking about during the week your brothers and sisters in the church and how you can be part of what God's doing in their life. Um, It involves thinking about the people that surround you that don't know him and how you can be a part of what God wants to do in their life. Um, Jeremiah 13, 11, uh, I was reading this during just a time with God. Uh, a couple months ago, and it just stood out to me as a, as a neat sort of summation of God's heart for, for the church and for the people that belong to him. Uh, he's rebuking uh, Israel in this passage for their sort of failure to be what God desired for them. But uh, it paints a picture of his heart for, for us. Verse 11, chapter 13, Jeremiah. For as a sash clings to the waist of a man, So I have caused the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to cling to me, says the Lord, that they may become my people for my renown, for praise, and for glory. Uh, But they would not hear. I think one of the most foundational, basic things about really being created, period, in the image of God, but especially about being recreated, being reborn and given life through him, one of the most basic foundational things about who we are and why we're here is that God made us to be a picture of who He is. He made us to display who He is, um, and I constantly am am having to sort of reevaluate what I'm doing day to day based on that. Um, I started a, a business and I am working out of uh, Tony Leonardo's shop down here, uh, building things, uh, trying to create a. Platform to help some of my friends in PNG be able to use the resources they have uh, to meet some of their own needs. So I'm teaching them how to make earrings and necklaces and candles and all kinds of stuff that they can use the jungle that falls down in their front yard and washes up on their beach. And they have exotic hardwoods that they use for firewood and all kinds of things. Um, because they just don't have a market to sell those things and they don't have the resources to make something to sell or the knowledge to do that. So it's on my heart to, to do that as a way to continue interacting with people in p um, It's a platform for relationship there, uh, and it's been a neat way for me to just, I don't know, it's a platform for the gospel to follow behind. Um, but I get started in, in doing trying to do some of those things, and right now it's me trying to start something from nothing and generate some income that would allow me to do some of the future things on my heart. Um, But the nuts and bolts of it is me shutting the door to my office and just working my tail off. Um, And it's hard for me to step out of that and remember who my God is. Remember that the guy in the shop next to me needs to know Jesus and stopping long enough to ask him something about his life. Um, I'm really good at putting my head down and working Uh, Not something I've ever had a a difficult time doing. My dad did well in that area, Um, but it's hard for me to pick my head up and stop long enough to love the people around me. Um, I had a guy stop me in the street this week, on the sidewalk, I was taking uh, product to a store, and just stare me down. And I could just tell he was thinking, and I couldn't tell what. And uh, I asked him what was going on, and he just you know what, I think you can help me. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Um, and he just unloaded his heart. Uh, he's a guy I've met one time um, at a Christmas uh, program. He came to church. And he's just got deep burdens. And for whatever reason, he felt like I was somebody that would listen and that would maybe have advice for him. Um, it was just sort of God, I think, way of reminding me. Uh, that there's a lot of needs out there. There's a lot of hurting people out there. And they need somebody to stop and listen to them. Um, you can't be in ministry if you don't stop for a minute and talk to people. If, if you're not willing to do that, you will not minister to people. Um, God's going to have appointments for you that feel like interruptions to the thing you're trying to do. And you've got to stop. You've got to stop and talk to people. And I fail at that all the time. So don't feel like I uh, think of myself as somehow above you and I'm here to exhort you as I'm here as your brother in Christ and I'm on the same journey with you. Um, but there's a lot of things going on in this county. There's people who are going to get saved this year. There's people who are going to have life transformation happen this year. And... We can be a part of it or we cannot be a part of it. And, man, I want to be a part of that. And I need God's help. And I need the help of the body of Christ to remind me what that would look like. Um, we need each other. And I just want to encourage you guys with one more verse. It's in Galatians uh, chapter 6, verse 9. Um, says, let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Um, It's worth it when we stop and take time to meet people's needs. Um, It's worth it when you wrap hours and and days and weeks and years around trying to help people get to know Jesus. Um, It's worth it. You, You don't look back on that and regret it. And we've we have gone through a lot of trial in the last eight years trying to be uh, involved in people's lives in Papua New Guinea. Um, we've scratched our heads sometimes as God sort of rearranged our plans. You know, I wanted to be the guy who went in from uh, A to Z, who went in and learned the language and shared the gospel and discipled the guys until they could go share it with somebody else. Um, and God just sort of picked us up and moved us and moved us and moved us and let us be just a little tiny part of each of the things he did in the different places where he's had us. Um, but I can look back on that and, and be upset about that. Or I can look back on that and go, man, God, God let us be a part of what he was doing in three different church plants. In three different places where it's pretty dark for several thousand years. Um, and he's put life into those people. And it's exciting. It's exciting to have a connection with them. I'm excited to watch them praise Jesus in heaven for eternity. There's a reward coming of joy that a lot of people aren't going to understand that I get to enjoy for the rest of eternity. And I guarantee that when I'm there, I'm not going to wish I'd done something else. I'm not going to wish I'd finished the table I was working on. When the guy next to me gets saved, because I took 15 minutes to talk to him a few times over the last couple months, um, just stop and reevaluate who your God is and what's important to him and what's going to matter when you die and be involved in people's lives this year. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Um, I thank you for the way you use communion, for the way you use the gathering of your body to remind us who you are, to remind us of your heart for us, for your heart for the world. Um, I pray you would help us, Lord, really genuinely give us spiritual power to be who you have made us to be. Lord, I need You to be the thing steering me in order to be a picture of You. It doesn't come naturally from me. It comes from You. I pray You do that in us this year, that You would use us in effective ways, that there would be fruit in our life, and that we could praise You for it and we could joy in You for what You do in people. Lord, I pray that the simple message of what Jesus has done of your death on the cross for our sins, um, your completed work for us that was proven in your resurrection, Lord, I pray that that message would get out to people. You'd help us be able to share it simply. You'd open up hearts and, and just save people this year.